What I'd like to do is I'd like to um, have everybody, uh, if you would please, uh, gathered uh, at the table. And um, hey, you guys in the back, you who come, come, come. We're going to go ahead for the tables, and uh, we've got a couple of things to do here. I'd like to start off by introducing the Cremines family to all of you so that um, they have the opportunity to be able to be known by some of us. Would you, uh, would the Cremines please come forward? Um, yeah, naturally, I have, um, Jim, I have all their new member stuff in the, uh, in my box in the office there, uh, if you would bring that forward. Well, we're going to ask them a little bit about, to tell us a little bit about who they are, where they came from, and, uh, and how many more children they're going to have. Um, <laughs> um, well, maybe not the last one, but we, we want to be able, we always like to introduce our new members. This is a, a little bit more of a skeletal crew from what we normally have in here on Sunday morning, but it's also our means of being able to encourage people to come and be a part of our Sunday morning uh, Bible study. But we want to start off by uh, introducing uh, the Cremines and have them tell us more about themselves. Oh, I go first? <laughs> okay. Um, I'm Ryan, uh, Emily, Evelyn, and Joseph. And this one is due... <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're going for the surprise again. We did the surprise with the first two, so we don't know boy or girl. Um, and we're due kind of mid-late October. Um, we are transferring from Brownsburg. We moved uh, to Whitestown last year, and uh, we kept going down there. And then Evelyn just finished preschool here this year, and he'll be starting this fall. Yes, you will. Um, <laughs> And so since we were sort of starting to become a part of the community here through school for them and with the church being a lot closer to where we live now, um, we decided that uh, it was good for us to transfer and get a little closer. So, um, yeah. Oh, oh, sure. Uh, so I grew up in Michigan, actually. Um, I grew up about uh, 25 minutes outside of Ann Arbor. And uh, yes. And then um, went to college uh, in Central Michigan, then went to graduate school at Northwestern, and that took me to Chicago, where I lived for about 10 years, and that's where I met Emily. Uh, she's originally from Seymour, Indiana, um, and uh, so that's sort of, so we met through mutual friends. One of her law school classmates is now married to one of my best friends. Um, so yeah, we met and got married in Chicago, and then we moved down here a couple years ago for Emily's job. Uh, but now she's retired as of two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> yeah. Instead of arguing with adults, I argue with children. Yeah. Um, so she was an attorney for Frost Brown Todd downtown. And then, uh, well, I guess it's been three weeks now since, yeah. Um, and then, um, so I actually uh, took a job here in Indianapolis about two years ago with Baldwin Alliance. Uh, a casualty insurance company in Carmel uh, is where we're headquartered. So um, I do underwriting and then uh, actually just picked up a couple more departments. So I also oversee our loss prevention, our underwriting assistant group, and a few other departments. So that keeps me busy. <laughs> well, uh, we, would, we would like mm -hmm. to say that um, since Emily had been a federal prosecutor, that oh, I'm yes. using her in my sermon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Mm -hmm. She'll take the law. <laughs> <laughs> if any of you are worried about it, we can sell you some insurance. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Didn't we just learned about Martin Luther this past week in VBS and the whole, you know, insurance, indulgence. Can we make a clear distinction there? <laughs> I do sell indulgences <laughs> on the side. <laughs> we, uh, we would like to give to you um, also um, uh, a new member packet and then also your offering envelopes oh, that are uh, here now as yeah. well. So we want to welcome you and thank you very much. They're going to get very involved in the congregation. They want to get involved in the mm -hmm. congregation. God's blessings to, to all Thank four you. of you, five of you. Uh, yes. Maybe six. Let's get a bigger house. Lord be with you and thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. We, um, we are also today very pleased to have with us some of our graduates. Um, I guess I'll turn my mic on here. Uh, our graduates, and we want to be able to know uh, where they're going, uh, how uh, their plans are, and their, how they're directed in the future. And uh, we also want to go over some of their Bible verses with them that they received at their confirmation, because I, I know that they're memorized, but, um, but maybe not. Um, all right, and so I'd like to have, um, these are the following people that, that actually are here today. I'd like David Colson to come up. There he is. He wore his special vest there today. Margaret Clems, otherwise known in confirmation as Maggie. Sarah Olson, here she comes. The grand dame herself. Uh, now, John Alex Rasiniak is is out in, um, I guess, Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons, um, doing some backpacking. Audrey Scrogham, Audrey, here she comes. And last but not least, Graham uh, Graham Boatman. Um, all right. Well. Now, um, uh, Graham, is that beer? No, not yet. Um, I, I was, you are old enough in Germany, you know, that we do know. All right, you guys. Um, I, um, if you haven't seen these yet, maybe I'll just give these to you anyway, because it does have, as I say, your Bible verses on there. And we'll talk a little bit about that, but let's first talk a little bit about your plans and what's going to be happening now with you. Let, let's, let's begin, though, with a prayer on your behalf. Well, welcome, uh, we future graduates. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's say a prayer for them. Lord and Savior, it is a great honor for us whenever our children take their Christian faith out into the world and yet at the same time, we recognize how great and how powerful the world can be because we ourselves have experienced it. We also know that they cannot survive this world were it not for your comfort and aid, were it not for your word that has been implanted in them. And we pray, therefore, that they would remain faithful to this faith 
that they accepted and vowed to accept upon the day of their confirmation. Remind them and remind us all that there is no greater gift in life than the gift of everlasting life, and that whatever the world may offer them, there is no treasure that could be more worth more, that could be more precious to them than the gift of being able to have a Lord and Savior who watches and defends and protects and ultimately gives them a forgiveness that leads to eternal life. Be with them, and we pray, and be with their families as they guide them and direct them. Be with our congregation as our congregation prays for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Well, now let's, um, let's start over here with, uh, with you, Graham. And you want to tell us a little bit about where you're going, what you're planning on doing, sure. um, et cetera. Sure. Uh, so basically, I'm heading down to Indiana University in the fall. I'll be double majoring as of right now. I'm going to do law and public policy. I'm going to pair that with either political science or international affairs. And eventually, at the moment, I'm thinking law school. So it is four years in the future, so that could definitely change. Um, I could go into chemistry for all I know. My dad would say not to, but yeah, you know, so... Um, I'm excited. It'll be a lot of studying, but at least this stuff I want to study as opposed to English or calculus or other things that we have to do in high school. So it'll be fun. Okay. Yeah. Now, what, what, uh, what kinds of, um, uh, I would call it recreation or avocations do you have? Um, I'm actually not playing golf. I'll put it that way. Um, I decided to just simply pursue academics because um, I had no idea how much free time I would have, and especially at a, the level of playing golf, I guess, that Big Ten schools and, and other major Division One schools have is requires so much time and so much effort into that. And I certainly have other academic interests that I'm um, interested in, and I'll be able to play golf for the rest of my life. Um, as opposed, or excuse me, um, in terms of other things like student body leadership, uh, volunteering hours. I'll love to do an overseas uh, trip at some point, especially to languages that I'm, I'm interested in taking. Um, and when it comes to, if I'm thinking people ask me like a, a future job, I'm thinking international law. So getting, I guess, good experience in countries that need jobs in say in a foreign embassy or foreign diplomacy, things like that. Um, those are my overseas study trips as of right now. Um, internships in places such as law firms or even patent attorney, things like that. Just getting myself immersed in that legal system and kind of the political system, both here in America and in other parts of the world that need that. So things like Boy, that. Boy, uh, when I got out of high school, I just thought about playing football. And that, <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a pretty tall order. Sure. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's uh, pass that over and, um, and maybe... Um, you, what you can do is uh, uh, give us a little bit, Audrey, of uh, kind of uh, where you're planning on going and uh, maybe some of your goals here that you've got for yourself. All right, so this year I'm actually taking a gap year and working to save up money for college because it's a goal of mine to uh, graduate debt-free. And in a year I'm planning to go somewhere in state, so probably IU or IUPUI, um, and go into either investigative journalism or something to do with public policy. And in the meantime, like I said, I'll be working quite a bit and um, doing some job shadowing at local news stations and hopefully at the State House pretty soon. 
And also, I'm going to be able to volunteer quite a bit and teach speech and debate and also teach choir and um, some musical theater stuff, so. Okay, now, um, we were all your, your groupies. We came to see you sing in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience there? Um, it was an amazing experience. I love that organization um, because it is a fine arts ministry, so it is open to kids of all ages and all backgrounds. And it's really an opportunity for kids to grow in the arts and in their faith. So, and it's an organization that I'll be able to still be involved with throughout this year. Okay, did, did you see any theological meaning in Beauty and the Beast? <laughs> yes, <laughs> a lot on the theme of transformation. So we talked a lot about how um, just like the beast is transformed by love, we too are transformed by Christ's love. Well, on behalf of your father, I'd like to tell you, do not think that you can transform men um, in, the, in the future. Uh, they are and always will be who they are. So, um, yeah. Well, thank you very much. And let's, uh, let's see what we can get out of Sarah here. Sarah, tell us, tell us the whole story. Okay. Um, I am going to Bowling Green State University in Ohio. I'm planning on majoring in occupational therapy and minoring in special ed. Okay, and what kinds of things have you been doing this summer and, and what kinds of things do you like to do besides academic stuff and going to school and such? Um, this summer I've been nannying my best friend in Catherine. Um, she has Down syndrome and uh, we've just been hanging out and just like having fun together and um, I just went to camp Last week, I just got back last night really late, and I was a counselor for middle schoolers. Um, so that's like all I've been doing this summer. Can you tell us a little bit about this Best Buddies program that you've been involved in? Um, it's basically in most schools. Most schools have them in Indiana and all around the country. Um, it's like you sign up to be in Best Buddies at school, and you help uh, people with special needs and help them to get... Um, be friends with them and then you do activities with them and then you can like be in class with them and help them with their academics as well. We, um, uh, I have to I have to reveal the fact that I keep telling Sarah how, uh, how proud I am of her because my mom was actually a teacher which back in the old days was for special ed they called it and dealing with, with children with Down syndrome but it takes quite a gift to be able to do that and I think Sarah's got the gift. So uh, congratulations to you, Sarah, on using that gift and maybe expanding that in your future. Thank you. Yeah. Margareta? Okay, so I'm also going to IU in the fall. Um, I'm planning on majoring in psychology with a minor in Spanish, and then also a pre-law focus is involved in that as well. A what? Pre-law focus. Oh, pre-law focus. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and so what, what is it that perked your interest in these subjects? Um, well, there's always been a joke in my family that I'm really good at arguing, so I should become a lawyer. <laughs> and uh, I took AP Psychology this last year, so like that plus this like ongoing joke has really piqued my interest in like criminal justice and then like more of the investigative part as well. So okay. let's see if I can make a job out of it. 
Should have grabbed Mrs. Kermines here on the way out, um, <laughs> asked her a little bit about her profession there. Um, well, what uh, you think in the long run, uh, Margaret, that you're going to maybe be what within a, a lawyer? Is that what you're yeah. thinking? Possibly something along those lines. Um, do you argue with your siblings or, or just with your parents? Just uh, everyone. <laughs> You've got to get a good mix. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, and we'll pass that over to David. Okay, David, what are you going to do? Um, I plan on going to Bradley, or don't plan, I'm going to Bradley University in Peoria, Illinois to study mechanical engineering and possibly try and do electrical minor. So, okay. And what, what developed that, what, how, how did that interest come to be developed in you? Um, well, growing up, I just always had a love for mainly the math and science courses, and then once I hit high school, I had an amazing physics teacher and math teacher who um, introduced me to robotics, and I did robotics competitions for all four years of high school, and it really started my interest into the mechanical field, and then also just working with people in my life. So in theater, I do, I worked theater for three years in high school, and I did the technical program and did all lighting design, special effects, and stuff like that, and I had a great mentor in that who actually just... Uh, did a church install with uh, this past week, helping them redo their sound and lighting system, but all these different fields of just technology and inputting these into the world and stuff okay. like that. Um, I suppose what we might say is um, everybody has, uh, if you would say, a mentor or maybe somebody who has kind of been an individual who has probably um, had something to do with maybe helping you to focus on where you want to go as we kind of quickly go down the line, who would that be for you? I have too many. I've got a lot. <laughs> Who's number one besides your pastor? <laughs> um, probably mom. Okay. Uh, that, it's kind of that direction. Margaret? I don't know. There isn't like one person because it's big... It's not you, Ellie. Stop pointing at me. <laughs> <laughs> not your sister, huh? Even yeah. though you're going to IU. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Do you be down there with your sister? Oh, yeah. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> Is that because she's watching you or you're watching her? A little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anything, uh, two people? It's like, I don't know. I've been influenced a lot by different people. Like, my basketball coach has been a big influence, but, like, not about my basketball, about just, like, life goals in general. Okay. And then, I don't know, obviously my parents. Sure. Because they're my parents and they guide me through everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've right. just had a lot of influences. All right, let's see what Sarah's got to say here. Um, probably my mom is one of them. And then I have a teacher, Miss Simpson. She's... Um, I've known her since like freshman year. She's been a great influence on me. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm, I met her at your graduation party, didn't Probably. I? Probably. I think I did. Yeah, she was there. <laughs> All right. Audrey? I have had many, many good mentors, but one of the ones that has had probably the most significant impact is my debate coach. She has helped me through a lot and really helped me focus on building my character in whatever I do and whatever struggles I go through. So that's something that has really helped me. That's great. Okay, Graham? 
Definitely my parents. Um, they've been wonderful supporters in everything that I've done. And no matter where I was going to go or what I was going to study, they were going to be right there helping me and loving me and making sure that it's the right place for me and that I'm using my abilities and interests to the best that I can. So, definitely. Okay. How's your German, by the way? Uh, needs work. I'll put it that way. <laughs> so I will be uh, definitely taking German down there. I actually set my class schedule, and I have four 8 a.m.s because the German prof decided to schedule all of his classes at 8 a.m. So um, I will be taking German down there, and I'll be doing many other languages as well to get that international scope in, in my resume. So well, That's good. Yeah. That's, well, that's great. Well, I'm going to... Since uh, we're here with, with you, Graham, sure. I'm going to take a look at your Bible verse now. Sure. And that's uh, it's Romans 3, uh, 23 to 24, and I mm -hmm. hope everybody has got your Bibles because we might want to just take a little broader look at, um, at what that text is saying here. Uh, Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this text first. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Do you remember me reading that to you? I do. You do. Yes, I do. Now, it's, it's kind of... Um, you know, I, I guess there's like a little theme here that I have... Um, I have for for each one of you, and I guess, uh, Graham, for you, it would be this phrase, you are one among the many. Now, that has a twofold side to it. One is the very first part here that says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Mm -hmm. And... Um, as you get out, probably the first thing that you're going to encounter is the fact that among people, um, there are always layers and divisions so that there are going to be the people that are the achievers and those that are going to be those who are failing. Sure. There are going to be those who are educated and those who are not educated. And, uh, and one of the things that uh, we have to do as, as Christians and as Lutherans is that when you get out into the world, you're going to have to live with the world and do business the way that the world does business. But in your eyes, you must never, ever see anybody as being either greater or lesser than another. And this phrase, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, means every single person is a sinful person in the sight of God, and nobody can please God with their works doesn't matter how exemplary or how great they might be. So in that sense, you're one among many. Yes. But with the phrase, the many, is also used in the Bible for uh, those for whom Christ died. And you are one among those who believe and receive this justifying verdict of God. Mm -hmm. um, if you're going to go into law, that word justification, Maggie is also for you too, that word justification is one of the most powerful words in the entire Bible because it is a verdict, a declarative verdict like a judge that declares somebody to be innocent of a crime. And God has declared you guys to be absolutely pardoned for your sins. This is why the Apostle Paul says in this text, what, and are justified freely by his grace, unconditional, 
through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So, if nobody is righteous, what does that mean? And how does that mean? How does that affect you in the way that you relate to people? But then, righteousness coming through faith in Christ does set you apart, yeah. and it does make you into somebody who is special. And you have to remember that too. Any reflections on that, or do you want me to just keep <coughs> on talking? Well. As you said, um, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, obviously we're all human, and I certainly will have many failures in my life as we move forward. But at the same time, um, the religious aspect that I've grown up with my entire life has instilled a, a, first of all, a conscience and a great sense of right and wrong and ethical standards. So especially when, if we get into a heat of a debate or... Um, I'm trying to settle some international dispute or, or whatever comes up along the road. Having that, that conscience that's continuously talking to me in the back of my mind will keep me on that path. And I know that God has everything in store for me and, and loves me and, and it will guide me in whatever and everything that I do. So. Well, maybe you and Margaret can go into business together. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And um, she can, um, but yeah, you're, you know, and I think that's the, that's the joy of this is that it's actually the free grace of God that gives us the capacity to uh, do those things which are God's will. Sure. But the amazing thing is, is that Paul says in Romans, there's not a righteous man on earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Yeah. That every one of our deeds in life are imperfect. And, that's, uh, that, and you're not going to hear that in your psychology classes. <laughs> All right. Um, let's, uh, let's move on over here to Audrey. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 15. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. I just think it's so ironic. I, I don't know that when you were getting confirmed that I picked this verse particularly because of some debating quality that you had at that time. But when 5.11, chapter, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.11, it starts off, Paul says, we try to persuade men. And so now it's going to be your job, Audrey, to convince the world, of what Paul tells us, one died for all. Um, everybody, of course, uh, in the Reformed world, there's always the twofold thing. He didn't die for you unless you accept him. And then there's that Calvinistic perspective, which is that uh, he died, but, the, but the, uh, the justifying verdict was given to the elect, and that's not for all. And here you are, we're going to take our sweet little Lutheran girl and throw them out among those reformed wolves, and you've got to convince them all that Jesus died for everybody. And that's, um, that's not always so easy, but apparently um, this is one of the things that, that we are constantly engaged in. He says, Christ's love compels us. Um, I wonder whether or not... Um, I wonder whether or not uh, there isn't some parallel to this uh, Beauty and the Beast that you think that you were in. 
The idea was that you apparently knew who the beast was, right? And all the townspeople were wanting to kill the beast. Is that right? Don't just sit there and nod at me. Give me a good <laughs> affirmation here. Yes. All right. So the idea being that love, and you, you loved that beast, right? You, well, you fell in love with the beast. That your love became a compelling factor that you did not want the townspeople to hate that beast. Mm -hmm. So this is now your life. You are having to convince the world of the love that Christ has for them and that he died for all of them when they don't want to believe it. So now you tell me, why do they not want to believe it? You didn't know that you were going to get questioned up here, did you? <laughs> why, would, why does the world not want to believe that Christ died for their sins? Basically, one of the reasons, I think, is because it means that they would have to come to terms with how they are living and how they perceive the world. Yeah. And so they don't want to have to um, feel wrong or change their ways. There was a, there, I, I don't know how many of you saw that in the paper that the, uh, the Barna survey, um, they just did a Barna survey on how many people that uh, in the world today or in the United States today have a, a Christian worldview. And they said only one in ten people have a Christian worldview. Now that, that phrase worldview uh, is, is somewhat amorphous. You, you, you can't quite necessarily nail it down, but it, it's, it's basic things like basic morality. It's basic that God actually has something to do with our lives. That, you know, that there, are, there is, a, there is a, a relationship that one can have with God through Christ. You know, that kind of thing. And the Christian worldview is not going to be there. And I say this firmly, tenaciously to you, because when you go on to college, you are not going to just get that non-Christian worldview from students. You're going to get it also from your professors. The academic world today is vastly different than the academic world of 50 or 60 years ago. Um, uh, very often it's the pressure in academia that is put upon them, but it's also that those who are choosing the new professors are also people who have a different worldview. And so um, it's up to you to be aware of this and to maintain your own Christian connections and involvement. And so I say that, you know, when you guys go to IU, there's a, there's a campus ministry down there to be involved in that. Uh, you're going to be going to, what was it again? Yeah. Uh, please, uh, get involved. Local churches, if need be. I'm sure that there's a, either a campus ministry or there's a local church also uh, over there in Bradley. So, all right. Um, Sarah, your verse, I guess we'll just hand you the microphone. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Um, I, you know, my, I guess my little phrase for you is that God has prepared you for greatness. And I say that, Sarah, because I believe that greatness is not 
by the way that a person ascends in the eyes of the world, but by the humility with which a person can reach down to the people who are less fortunate in life. And your greatness is not to be found by the way that you knock the world dead and become the most important person in society. It's by the way that, that you show kindness and compassion to those who can't be that. And I, th and I think that's, that's kind of what grace is, isn't it? Yeah, loving the unlovable, loving those. And then what do you find out that when you start loving the unlovable, what do you actually find out? That the unlovable teach you what real love is, right? How many kids today are actually being aborted when they find out, parents find out that their kids have Down syndrome, right? And yet, who do you suppose knows how to love more than anybody else? It's very often those Down syndrome kids, right? So when you think about all that you're doing, Sarah, I want you to remember that greatness is not in what we do when we climb above. It's how we can reach down below. Margareta. Aloetta, Margareta, Margareta, Jantepumore. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us, to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, yeah, well, you know, my phrase for you here, kind of my summary phrase, and you would agree with, at least when I had you in confirmation, you would agree with that. I would say that you are brilliant. Would you agree with me? <laughs> and now I'm going to tell you why you're brilliant, Mar Margaret. Because worldly wisdom is something which anybody can learn, but godly wisdom is something that only the Holy Spirit can teach you. And that is a little bit of what we were talking about with, with Sarah. That the message of the cross, the idea that we are saved by some Jewish man that lived 2,000 years ago and died upon a cross, that this actually opened up the door of heaven. Just try asking those boys that you have go out on dates, just say to them, what's the message of the cross? And if they cannot give you a good, clear Christian answer, <laughs> you tell them to get lost. You tell them to get lost, okay? <laughs> the... Um, that what we call the theology of the cross is not just that Jesus died on a cross, it also means that God teaches us through our crosses in life a deeper form of wisdom that the world cannot learn. And this is something we've learned from Martin Luther, that, that God gives us afflictions, he gives us crosses, he gives us something that makes us humble, and strangely, by the way that we go through this trial and tribulation, we come to see something that the world doesn't see. Most people run from those things. Um, if you're going to be studying psychology, um, you're, going to, you're going to be dealing with human behavior, but the one thing that they can never quite explain is the, what we might call the old Adam in all of us. They, 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 how we can actually have two wills at the same time 
And then, of course, psychology never can set itself onto the true and deeper pursuit of man, which is somehow rec either reconciliation or war with God. And when God treats us with crosses, it appears as though it's the exact opposite of love. So now that you know the theology of the cross, I can finally tell you that you are brilliant <laughs> and mean it. All right. All right. Um, and David, what shall we say here? Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Um, you know, um, if you look at that Galatians text, Apostle Paul is, um, is dealing with, a, I think, a, what you might call a kind of a logical conclusion that he has to undo. And that is that if Christ died for your sins and God no longer holds your sins against you, does that mean that when you get to college you get to do all the sinning that you want? Yeah. <laughs> I want to get that straight in front of your parents right now. <laughs> we'll see if we can keep that straight. Well, um, generally most people don't care about uh, what God says and so they go ahead and they figure that they can have all the sin that they want anyway. But as Christians, when you really think about it, the real message of the cross, that Christ has done everything for us and for our salvation, the conclusion to that would be, then, then what does it matter? Why can't we just kind of be who we want to be? And if I have a sinful nature, my sin, and I can blame my sinful nature, and I can do whatever my sinful nature wants me to do. But the way he puts this, he says... I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So even though God pardons and forgives and you have a you know, diplomatic immunity, if you will, something happened where Christ actually came to live in you. And so the reason why we want to do good, the reason why you go on campus is God has intended you to be a light of who Christ is. So, in order to do that, he also says that you're going to get crosses too. And it's very difficult to be able to, as a Christian, I, this idea that you're going to be a light on campus doesn't mean that you're going to be going around glowing like uh, you're some sort of a, of a bulb, but rather that the way that you handle things like forgiveness and pardon by the way that you love those who are not lovable by the way that you show kindness or tenderness, by the way that you diligently apply yourself to your work, by the way that you honor your parents, by the way that you protect the reputation of all those kids who are in the dorm. Remember that. Your sister will protect yours if you protect hers. <laughs> well, we should. And as we live that life of Christ. Um, you're going to be lights in the world. So what's your, my phrase for you, David? My phrase for you is, you are royalty because Christ lives in you. Royalty. King David. That's why you got that name, by the way, you know. Yeah. You are now 
King David. Remind your parents of that whenever they want you to do work. <laughs> All right. Anything else that we want to say here uh, to our beloved graduates? Okay, guys, you gotta you gotta be aware. You gotta be aware what the world is and what the world can do. But we gotta stay in touch, okay? So that means that we expect you to be home every weekend. <laughs> Not quite. No. No. Okay. I have a car, but I'm three hours away. I'll send my messengers. <laughs> All righty. Let's uh, close with a word of prayer. Lord God, we pray that you would extend your blessings upon these, our graduates. Watch over them and protect them and defend them and keep them in this one true faith. As they have been cared for by their parents up to this point, we now pray that they might be able to launch on their own and fly like a bird out of a nest, that they could fly knowing you and that they might become examples and models and means through which your grace was made known in the world. Keep the world from having its power over them. Help them to stand free from all that they must now face that is bad or evil or that in any way could take them away from you. Show them your mercy and your grace every day and remind them that in you there is forgiveness of sins and bring them back to us with joy and happiness that we might together share that great vision of where we are someday and where we will be in the gates of heaven and paradise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Go in peace.